0: You're listening to The Doctor's Companion, brought to you by InStockTrades.com and DCResearch.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Doctor's
1: Companion,
0: I'm Scott Corelli.
1: And I'm Matt Smith, but not that Matt Smith.
0: And we're from MindRobber.net, the home site of Mind Robber Productions, where we talk about all the things on podcasts like this one, The Doctor's Companion, where we talk about Doctor Who, The Mind Robbers Versus, where we pick a show we love and talk about it episode by episode, currently covering Justice League, soon to be Justice League Unlimited, and then our flagship podcast, The Mind Robbers, where we talk about everything else. If you like our shows, you should review them on iTunes because that helps us out, and if if you have questions comments or concerns email them to us podcast at mindrubber.net. but if you want to start a discussion find the post of this episode and leave a comment and most importantly tell your friends that they should be listening because we're covering an 11 to 10 count or 11 11 to 10 11 to 1 countdown <laughs> it's a really short countdown 11 to 1 countdown of uh of of, of uh, doctor stories for the 50th anniversary um and we're at 10 now uh, so we're going to be talking about David Tennant's uh, human nature family of blood um, Tenth doctor season three what's the background significance?
1: yes this is um, the the one the second two part of series three it is uh, like you said human nature and the family blood um this story interestingly enough written by Paul Cornell. Directed by Charles Palmer, um, comes from a novel that Paul Cornell wrote back in the 90s, um, after Doctor Who was canceled, um, in 1989. This book line, Virgin Books, got the rights to do Doctor Who novels, and that was the way that the show more or less continued, um, with the seventh Doctor and Ace, and then he, you know, got other companions as he went along. They wrote Ace out, they wrote other companions out, it was this whole crazy thing. And one of the writers of this series was Paul, of this, like, series of books was Paul Cornell. And Paul Cornell had written four novels, um, one of which was called Love and War, which was considered one of the great, like, Doctor Who novels, where people were just like, Jesus Christ, like, so good. And so good that Big Finish actually did an adaptation of Love and War, uh, I think, like, a year or two ago. And um, so Cornell was doing all these crazy things with Doctor Who, and he came up with this, I guess he came up with this idea, um, and this was the fifth novel that he did, and it was called Human Nature. Which was a story about how the Seventh Doctor and his companion Bernice Summerfield, who was um, an archaeologist, uh, would go in, and uh, uh, the Seventh Doctor would become a human. And it was considered; it's considered the best book of the entire run of of things. Like it is widely a; it's a fan favorite. People love it. It's you know it's this big crazy thing. Um, and it was so popular, in fact, that Russell T. Davies was like, "Hey, why don't you adapt it for the show?" Because he had had such good luck with um, Father's Day. And so Paul Cornell comes in, and Paul Cornell does this big two-part episode in which uh, the Tenth Doctor becomes a human, and it's this kind of legendary story. Like it's the story that, like, oh, this is the one in which the Doctor's a human, and um, uh, that's that's kind of that's kind of all you need to know. Um, but it is this thing where. Paul Cornell, important as a writer, just because he kept the flame alive and he was the guy who was really pushing, pushing, pushing the show into, or the, the series into new and different and interesting ways. Um, and Human Nature is like the it's considered his greatest, like his greatest work of all of them. So, yeah, cool. All right. Okay,
0: no. Well, uh, before we talk about it, I want to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by DCBService.com. DCBS, the site that lets you pre-order all your monthly comic book statues, action figures, and anything else you can get from a local comic book shop. You place your orders three months in advance with monthly discount specials up to 75% off and regular discounts of 40% off. Ship as often as you like. With orders as large or small as you like, you only pay six ninety five in flat rate shipping. So thanks to DCBService.com. Uh, okay, so human nature family of blood, uh, the two- parter written by Paul Cornell. Um, here's the funny thing about this story. Uh, I when I watched this originally, I remember I saw the trailer and like this is you this is true for a lot of Doctor Who stories I knew who, especially during the Russell T. Davies era. Their trailers weren't always the best um, mm-hmm. and so I would watch the trailer for it. And I would just be like uh, okay the, the the doctor in a at, a at a at a school in the in the in the early nineteen hundreds and <laughs> there's um weird people it's like a home invasion thing oh, okay I just like i I was just like, oh God, I am not looking forward to next week and i and i and i'm if I'm not mistaken, I don't even think I watched it right away. Like that's mm. how much I was not looking forward to it. I think I waited because once I realized it was a two parter, I was even lo- I was looking forward to it even less. Um, so I finally got around to watching it, and I was like, I you know I got through the whole thing, but like the family of blood was really uninteresting to me, and I was just like, whoa! Like every time they would show up, I would just be like, whoa! I just there was something <laughs> about them that I just really didn't care for. Um, and just found boring or whatever, but I liked the stuff where, where the doctor was human. I thought that was really interesting. And of mm-hmm. course the way they pay that all off at the end of the series is one of the most spectacular payoffs I think I've ever seen on television. Um, but, uh, watching it every time I watch it, I find more things that I like about this story. Um, cause in a lot of ways, in a lot of ways this is kind of an anti-doctor who story. Um mm-hmm. just because like the doctor is a human and it's very it's very ho hum about everything. Like it really is. Um and I mean it's dramatic in the second half, but the first half is very like very like just kind of doldrummy, drummy ho hummy. Um it, but like every time I watch it I just appreciate it more and more. And the way that it's constructed, like the way that this is put together, the use of the dreams and Martha running back and forth from the TARDIS and learning bit by bit that, that Martha is not affected by this whole thing at all. And, and that she's just a really good actress um, is really great. And just, just like the running joke with like her not knocking and um, all of like the racial stuff. And then, (laughs) the doctor uh, like uh, approving the beating of a young boy (laughs) Um, (laughs) like all of that stuff is really great I just love it but I find that the more I watch it the more interesting the family of blood are as uh, a villain because the way that he uh, the way that Cornell pieces out uh, the details of them um, about how they work, what they want, what their deal is uh he does it in such a subtle way and and he really just like just gives you a piece here and there um it was all like i I don't know if it just went over my head the first time I watched it or I just didn't hear it or what, but like the more I hear about it like the more interesting it is like the idea of these of the this family uh species that can like take, like, possess other bodies, and but they can only exist for three months, which is why they want the Doctor, because uh, Time Lords can, you know, live forever, and so they want to live forever. And just, it's really great, and gives a great reason for him to want, to, or to need to turn human. Um, and the, the fake-out of uh, turning John Smith human off-camera is really ballsy dramatically i think Mm -hmm. because i mean rules of drama would tell you no 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 that's a thing you need to do on camera um and he just he just totally just like burns it off camera um which is really uh a really ballsy way to tell that story i think Mm -hmm. um and it's just i think it's just expertly done and john like john smith it's like it's amazing how much you love the guy like, despite everything, you know, you like mm-hmm. you really feel bad for him, um, even though he's not a real person. <laughs> um, and it's just it's it's oh, it's just it's phenomenal. It really, really is. Um, yeah. And I think like every time I watch it, I like it more and more. And watching it this time, I really think it's in my um, it's 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 got to be in my top five of tenant stories, I think.
1: Oh, yeah. Without a um, doubt. It's so good. It's yeah. so good. Yeah, that's where I mean, that's where I would put it, because I'm watching it again. This is a story... I mean, it's weird, because watching it... The first time you watch this story is very interesting to see other people, like, just experience it. I remember that I, when I was showing Doctor Who to people, like, I was like, let's just watch Human Nature. And then they were watching it, and they finished it, and they're like, I don't get it. Like, Or they watched the first episode, and I made them wait, because I'm cruel. Um... <laughs> um, but people were just like, I don't get it. I mean, I guess that's a way of exploring the Doctor's character. But really, all of the exploration of the Doctor's characters and in Family of Blood, and it all takes place off screen. <laughs> like, it all yeah. takes place with the Doctor actually not being present. Um, which I think is incredible. Because the Doctor doesn't exist in the first episode. There is no Doctor. Um, he's only in apparitions, basically. Uh, because mm-hmm. that opening teaser is just a dream. It's not actually actual footage, technically speaking. I mean, I, you could argue it is, but I don't. Um, and looking at it, um, this is the story that really blew me away the first time where I didn't realize this was a two-parter. And like, I'd been so good about knowing which ones are two-parters and, and, and I was watching it on DVD and I was just like binge watching it, binge watching it, binge watching it. I knew the Blink was coming up and I just, I guess I just wasn't paying attention. And when they're at the, the dance at the end of the first episode, like, the family rolls in, and they're just like, you know, like, they're just, like, really intense, and and they, gra- like, and it looks like, because everyone's, everyone's in place, you have the kid there, you have the doctor there, like, all it would take is the kid to throw the doctor the watch. And he opens the watch and the doctor is back. That's all it would take. And I remember watching it and just being like, so that's what's going to happen. And then they just grab the two women and they just go choose credits. And I remember screaming in my dorm room when I was just (laughs) like, what? Like I was, I was, I was, I was blown away that they'd managed to convince me that it wasn't going to happen, that that was, wasn't coming. And I was just like, I mean, I have to go through this. Again. I have to go through more of this. And, like, the first time I watched this, the little kid is just so annoying. Like, you're just like, stop stealing. Like, <laughs> <don't>, <laughs> stealing, stealing is bad. But I remember watching it and just, like, being just bowled over by how good it was and every time I watch it since I love it more Um, mm-hmm. and I just I can't I just can't get over how ridiculously good it is I know that there's people who say that Blink is the best of this season but for me like it's this story and it has to mm-hmm. be this story because it's one of mm-hmm. it's, it's so good and as an acting showcase for David Tennant like he's not the doctor in this at all John mm-hmm. Smith is a brand Anthony camping. Stewart head yeah.
0: He's, <laughs> you can he's totally doing an Anthony Stewart head impression. Like it's his whole, his cadence and everything. I was like, is that Giles? What's going on? <laughs> and so everything. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. And, and it's, and it's amazing to watch him just go through all of the paces of this character and how there is this thing where the doctor's indistinguishable from John Smith. When the doctor returns at the end of family of blood, because you know John Smith is technically him like he still has all the memories he can just call it up and be that person but the difference is that he's not a, that he's not that person and i think that that's what's really interesting about this is like <laughs> i realized that all the stories that we're talking about are most of them within this countdown mostly involves some sort of like ethical dilemma for the doctor in some way, shape, or form. And like a really big ethical dilemma. In the last one it was, you know, the genocide of the silence. In the next one it'll be the genocide of mankind. Um <laughs> but this um this looks at something that's very small, which is this idea of um, is John Smith a real person? And watching it like I can't argue that he's not because this is a guy who has a backstory is it a fabricated backstory yes but he has his loves and he has his fears and he has his desires and his wants and the things that he hates and all of those things actually make a person like that is the thing that makes up a person so when the when John Smith, Opens that watch, he actually commits suicide. Like that is the end of him as a person. And the other person whose body he was ta- who was just kind of loaning out takes it back, and th- that ca- that guy ceases to exist. And mm-hmm. the thing that you know, Redfern's – Joan Redfern says at the end of the story, where she just goes, "You killed him," or, or like he ki- like you, you know, whatever. But he he died for you, and that makes him a stronger person. Like I totally agree with that. And it's interesting that the doctor. Because I don't think the doctor's wrong. At the end of the thing, she's just like, can you bring him back? And he just goes, yes. And he's like, well, and she's like, will you? And he goes, no. And she goes, but why? Like, why wouldn't you do that? And the answer is because he's kind of not a real person. But at the end of the day, like, he could exist. Like, he easily could exist. But it's not right because the doctor is, you know, he's a facet of the doctor's personality. But... It's just like it's this thing where it's like the doctor is right because it's the doctor's life to live, um but it was a thing where this guy does die, and that's really, really messed up, you know, like yeah. it's just it's totally messed up, and it's mm-hmm. like as a, as a story, like the doctor is such a monster in this story yeah. beyond anything
0: um yeah. this is this might be the darkest I've ever seen the doctor in anything.
1: I don't, I can't disagree. Like, because my go-to would be Waters of Mars. But even then, Waters of Mars was not this. Whereas this is like, this is like a guy who shows mercy. And when the mercy goes, like, he just, he locks people in immortality forever. And he denies this woman who showed him a tremendous kindness. He denies her, like, the only thing she actually wants. And, like, he's right to do that. But... It's still kind of a jerk the whole time for it, and it's like it's hard to watch. But it's also one of the best depictions of the Doctor I've ever seen in my life. Um, mm-hmm. And that's the thing about Paul Cornell is like this is a guy who understands the Doctor. This is a guy who understands the darkness of this character and who wholeheartedly embraces that and explores that and and just looks at it in a really interesting way. And I just I'm. Amazed that he doesn't write more. Like I, he's written so much already, and but I know he wants to write more. Like I'm amazed that they don't keep asking him to write more. I I
0: can't believe. Like it's it's as good as his stories are. Like it would be believable to me that he wouldn't be capable of doing uh, stories to this level every single series. Mm -hmm. Um. So like, but like, why are you not bringing him back every other year? Like, why is that not a thing? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Like he wrote two of the best stories ever produced in the new who era. Mm-hmm. And you never bring him back again. And we yeah. know for a fact that he wants to come back. He has told us to his, to our faces that he wants <laughs> to do another one. um, And that he was desperate to write one for Matt Smith, but they never invited him. Mm-hmm. And it's like, ugh. Ugh.
1: yeah. Yeah. And it's, such a it's a shame it's a shame because then you look at it and it's just like look all right stephen thompson let's do this stephen thompson he's all right he's mediocre he's bland but like do you really like he doesn't have a take on the doctor that's more interesting than this like Mm -hmm. no one does like i mean it's that that's the truth i mean Mm -hmm. and paul cornell not being able to do that is 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 a bummer i mean like in in their defense after human nature like human nature was like the peak of Paul Cornell at Virgin after that like he kind of tapered off in stories and wasn't doing stuff that was nearly as interesting but it's the sort of thing where this guy's so creative and he's got such a specific vision that I can't imagine it not being worth exploring and I can like I can't imagine it being so expensive as not to do it because that's the Moffat reasoning for not hiring you know novelists is because they don't have television experience and they write things that are too expensive um, which is dumb um, Ugh. I mean, I understand it, but like, find a way because we found a way with your stories where you said, uh, uh, a horse in, uh, Versailles in the, uh, with Madame de Pompadour, which is not cheap, <laughs> Stephen Moffat. That's not I cheap. Know. Um, you know what else and- isn't cheap? Christmas sharks. Not cheap. <laughs> not cheap. <laughs> Cheap, cheaper than those Thanksgiving sharks. Look give them that, though. That's <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, so, yeah. So, no, this is this is phenomenal. Um, and it gets mm-hmm. better every time I watch it. And oh, absolutely. I'm just so, so impressed by it. So mm-hmm. impressed. Um, also, uh,
1: worth worth stating, uh, the trailer for Next Time, after Human Nature, before Family Blood, is mm-hmm. impossibly good. Um, mm-hmm. Just where you're watching it, you're just like... I remember watching that trailer the first time and being like, what? the hell like yeah what what are are they gonna do like i and because the cliffhanger had completely caught me by surprise the first time i saw that i was like where is this going like what what could happen like what anything it was nuts man it was unreal um so good so good so good good. um
0: and uh and and what's great is like the next time that we talk about a 10th doctor story that isn't the 50th anniversary special is the next episode um blink so, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's uh, something to look forward to, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So before we move on to the 10th Doctor e-book, uh, this a reminder that today's episode is brought to you by InStockTrades.com. You can purchase any paperback, hardcover, omnibus, absolute edition, graphic novel collection 35 to 45% off, plus new release specials of 50% off every week. And remember, all orders over $50 get free shipping. So thanks to InStockTrades.com. Go there. And uh, and pick up uh, some Doctor Who IDW comics uh, for the 50th anniversary sale. Um, 45 percent off Doctor Who comics. Uh, that's a that's a bargain. That is a bargain. So uh, go to InStockTrades.com and, and, and order some stuff. Um, okay, <laughs> so we're talking about the mystery of the haunted cottage by Derek Landy. This is the 10th Doctor uh, ebook that we've been talking that we've been talking about this series of ebooks that they've been doing. This is the penultimate one. Um, it is. Uh, OK, so here's the thing. I hated this title when I heard it. The Mystery of the Haunted Cottage. It just sounds so stupid. It doesn't even sound like a Doctor Who title. Uh, turns out it's uh, not a Doctor Who title. Um, <laughs> and uh, and this story was uh Freaking spectacular. Um, this was hands down, without a doubt, the best one that they've done for me. Um, this <laughs> this, this does not even remotely come to a surprise from Matt, who probably got a chapter into this and was like, oh, Scott's going to love
1: this. See, okay, uh, let me stop you. Hang on, hang on. Because I read the synopsis of this when it was announced, and I was just like, Scott's going to love this. And then you, you read the title, and you didn't read what the synopsis was, and you were just like, meh. Man. Yeah, and I was just like, "Oh, buddy, you got a whole <laughs> thing coming to you when you figure out what this story is." <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't
0: read the synopsis. Um, it's weird that you did because uh, trailers. Um, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah,
1: it happened. I don't, I don't remember why I read that, that synopsis, but I did, and it was like <sighs> probably to find out who the companion was. Probably, probably.
0: Yeah. Um. So so uh, so yeah, I had no idea what this was about, and uh, it turns out it's it's sort of like a. Like a like a like a uh, not 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 a sequel to the Mind Robber, but sort of like an offshoot of it, a thematic offshoot of it. Yes. Um, in which uh, uh, Martha and the Doctor land on um, this planet that comes out of nowhere, and it is modeled after a uh, a, a children's detective novel series that uh, Martha read as a child. Sort of like a like an Encyclopedia Brown boxcar children kind of
1: series. Yeah, like Hardy Boys and stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right.
0: Um, and uh, so they have to figure out like why these books are existing for realsies. Um and it turns out there's like this godlike entity that. Created this this world and then starts pulling all of these other uh, books that Martha has read out of her brain and starts using them for real. So like you get you get references to Alice in Wonderland, Rapunzel, Harry Potter, The Shining. Like it's <laughs> ridiculous. Um, it's so freaking good. Uh, my only qualm with it is that it ends really abruptly. But other than that. Other than that, it is hands down the best one because it's the one that did the most interesting thing. Um, Yes. Oh, it's spectacular. It's spectacular and, like, uh, Landy's voice for the Tenth Doctor is spot on. His voice for Martha is spot on. Um, Like, I'm just reading this and, like... Every time the doctor went on this long diatribe and dialogue, I was like, Mm, tenth doctor, love it, <laughs> um, so good." Uh, this was this was spectacular, absolutely spectacular.
1: Yeah. See, I, I agree with everything except for the 10th Doctor voice. I felt like, um, I felt like Landy was writing the 11th Doctor, which is weird because I tried, I tried so hard to fit into the 10th Doctor's voice. And part of my, part of my issue with it was I really wanted, like, I like the 10th Doctor being as wordy as he is, but at a certain point I was like, okay, can we maybe pull it back a little bit? Like, I just wanted him to pull it back a little bit just because there were so many words. Like, all the time. And I was like, I don't remember the 10th Doctor being this verbose. Um. Oh, he talks constantly. It talks constantly. Yes, but like there were just there was there was like four too many monologues for me. Just like four too many. Mm. <laughs> um uh, but, but looking at it, like, it's really, really well constructed. And watching the doctor figure out what's going on while Martha tries to figure out what's going on was really, really, really interesting. Where she's just like, I'll bet you it has something to do with that. And he's just like, no, that's just because this is a bad story. And I love that, like, you're reading this and, and you're just like, man, this, is, like, the, 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 the trouble seekers, this, this series that they've kind of dropped into is just rubbish. Like, it's just so rubbish. And <laughs> you're just like, you're just like, I don't, like, I don't, I don't, like, I love that he knows that it's rubbish, and he doesn't even try to make it good. He's But he but he comes up with, like, a kind of a cute little narrative where I was just like, you know, I could buy that this would be a series that children would read. Like, I would buy it as that. Um, and he tosses it away in a Doctor Who novel, like, or a Doctor Who e-book, of all things. And I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. good for you. Um but all of that was really cool. When when this story like this story just explodes in a third act that is just nuts where once they figure out what's going on and once they face, you know, the evil Cotteridge, who's the who's the godlike being, when they just when they just start running through things. And it's and it's it happens so fast that you'll miss it, but like they just go, they, they run through a door, and they're running through the Great Hall of Hogwarts, like where yeah. all the students are just sitting there. And then they run through it, and they run into something else. And I just imagined it like this big, long tracking shot where they're just running through sets and extras and it was just like so thrilling beyond anything yeah. that i could have imagined and it was just oh was so cool and then they're just... running
0: to a hotel and martha sees that it's called the overlook and she's like nope not going there and then they <laughs> just turn and go somewhere else <laughs> <laughs> that was so good. spectacular yeah. oh my god
1: i was like i was like oh thank god i watched the shining recently and it's think. <laughs> and it's funny it's yes. funny like yes. there's
0: that line where she's up in the tower with with uh rapunzel and and uh, <laughs> Dracula is crawling his way up the tower of of uh, of Rapunzel, and, uh, and Martha's like, uh, Dracula's on his way up here, and she goes, "Oh, is he a prince?" And he, she goes, "No, he's a count," and she just goes, "Oh," and then sulks. <laughs> <laughs> like I could just picture that, and it just made me so happy. It was so yeah. funny.
1: Oh, it was. Oh my it, God. I mean, it it's so funny, and that's the thing about Landy is like Landy. Like, all, even the stuff with, like, the dumb smugglers was just great, and the Doctor just being like, let's play chess. And they're like, all right, let's play chess, because that's the way the logic of this book would be. And then the guy makes his first move, and the Doctor's just like, checkmate, and he leaves. Like, yeah, <laughs> just, he's like, forget this, I've beaten so many people at chess, you are a child's play, and the narrative actually says that I will beat you at chess. You are not worth my time, I'm gonna take this boat now. And then he, <laughs> he
0: just, and, he just, and they're just sitting around like, I like I, okay
1: <laughs> <laughs> your logic is sound <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> it was so cool uh, this was this was great like i was i was i was i was interested in the story and then like i was i was so sure it was going to be a land of fiction story and i'm glad that they didn't do it but i'm glad that he was aware of the um uh, of the land of fiction thing yeah, yeah of that yeah, whole so like great. context um yeah
0: <laughs> There's so many good jokes in this. The boat thing where he's just like, he's just like, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to take your boat. We're going to borrow it. We're going to bring it back exactly the way we left it or exactly the way that it ends up being after we go on an adventure, which means it'll probably be sunk. And Martha's just like, probably. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so great. Oh, it was a wonderful story. Oh yeah. my God. I had so much fun. Yeah. Um, so. If you the- only pick up one of these, this is the one that you guys should get.
1: Yes. Yes. And it's like, yeah, Three fifty or something on Amazon. Yeah. yeah. Done. Oh, done. Read it to your kids. So Read it to your kids. Your kids oh, will yeah. love this story.
0: Absolutely. It's so yeah. great. Yeah. Um, all right. So that's, uh, that wraps up that. And then I guess the next time that we're going to talk about one of these will be, uh, for the, for the 50th. I don't know. 50th. Yeah. Wow. We're going to have a lot to talk about on the
1: 50th. It's, it's going to cool. be a hell of a show. Yeah.
0: It's going to be a long one. It's um, going to be the mind robbers does doctor who. That's what it's yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so so uh, be on the lookout for that. Um, next time, we'll be talking about Christopher Eccleston and uh, Bad Wolf and the Parting of the Ways. Uh, but in the meantime, you should listen to our other podcast. The Mind Robbers where We're talking about Justice League this week and next week and then moving on to Justice League Unlimited the week after. On the Mind Robbers this week, uh as you probably already heard, uh, we talked about Orphan Black, um, um and, and Rosemary's baby, uh, amongst other things, I'm sure. And then uh and and so yeah, make sure that you're checking out those other shows. Um and then uh Twitter. We're on Twitter, i dot twitter.com slash Scott Corelli. Also Scott Commentary where I live tweet things from time to time. Uh no promises, but I think I might have already live tweeted Return of Swamp Thing.
1: Um, it's no impossible. we totally have it. It was great. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> it was it was uh, <laughs> it was, it was uh, America's favorite superhero. What's well, not yeah. to love? He's re- he returns, he's
0: back. Um Matt, where can people find you?
1: You can find me on Twitter, Twitter.com slash and also my alternate Twitter account, Twitter.com slash GD Commentary, which is where I totally live tweeted Return of Swamp Thing. Um also, uh, classicalgalfrey.blogspot.com, which is my Doctor Who blog, where I talk about old Doctor Who, not the Doctor Who that we talked about this week, not the Doctor Who that we're talking about next week, and not the ones that we're actually talking about for the next couple of weeks. Or not couple of weeks, but uh, 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 I just realized that we're, recording, we're releasing more than one episode a week. Um, uh, 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 but yeah, uh, go there. classicalgalfrey.blogspot.com. You all know what it is. Go there. Read. Be merry.
0: True story. And, uh, and we'll talk to you next, uh, next time with Christopher Edgerton and, uh, Bad Wolf. Bye. Bye.